0: Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged. Uh, I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast Open Banking Expo. As usual, I'm your host for the next 30 minutes or so and I'm delighted to have with me today... David Breer from 11FS. We've got lots to talk about in this long-awaited episode. We've been hoping to record this for a while and um, it's extremely time timely because 11FS has just brought out its Pulse report for 2023. So we're going to dig into to some of the kind of user experience insights that have come out of that report. First of all though, David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I, I know... Uh... I've been sick, you've been sick, Christmas, all sorts of stuff, haven't we, but we finally get to chat. So uh, lovely chip for you to have me on. Thank you very much.
0: No problem. Yeah, plenty of plenty of illnesses to share off mic, obviously. So David, uh, perhaps, you know, we have a global audience here at Open Making Expo. Some of them, you know, may not have heard of, of 11FS. So in a nutshell, kind of, what, what do you do?
1: Yeah, for sure. So 11FS uh, we, is a company that we started uh, six and a half years ago now. So we've been uh, been rather busy over those six and a half years. But the thesis for the company is that digital and digitized are fundamentally different things. And actually, having spent uh, most of my career in financial services, I've seen big organizations spending billions of pounds taking the things that they did in the analog world and trying to represent them, digitize them into the digital world um all the while that actually new disruptors and other industries that are maybe a little more more enlightened are, are taking a very different approach um our founders of our business you know we've been there and done that we've made big transformations happen in big banks but equally founded businesses like nutmeg and monzo and starling and various different things so this isn't just hyperbole in chats we uh, we actually make this stuff happen as well but uh, and over the last as i say over the last six and a half years we've built I think it's now twelve different uh, propositions around the globe. So things like Metal with NetWest, brand new uh, SME Challenger Bank, uh, things like mocks over in Hong Kong with Standard Chartered, uh, and we've done that in Singapore, in uh, Saudi Arabia, in the US. We've uh, been rather busy, I'd say, but it's been been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it does sound like you've packed a lot into those sort of five or six years. Well, look, let's come on to this eleven uh, FS Pulse report for this year. It's only it's your second only. Uh, Pulse report, isn't it? I think um, your first one you launched in 2022. So we've obviously, um, and and, and, you know, of course, the introduction to the report does set out, you know, how different the environment is this year compared to the start of of 2022, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we've seen it for ourselves in in news headlines with with fintechs having to make huge numbers of redundancies and, and just. You know, some of some of those valuations that we were seeing record valuations really in twenty twenty two are are sort of um, no longer the case. They're being being reduced. So tell us a bit more, anyway, about about the report and why you launched it last year. Actually,
1: yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, Pulse for us is uh, it's a product that we have, which is a it's a global benchmarking tool, which kind of allows. We always talk about. Um, I love designers, but they always love a blank sheet of paper. And the reality really is, is that if you're facing into the problems that actually how to improve your customer experiences, then likely is somebody out there has done something that you can start from. There are design patterns, there are experiences, particularly in, you know, things like KYC and onboarding and uh, you know, payments, transfers, et cetera, et cetera. So still with pride rather than starting with a blank sheet of paper is really our our view. And the team, because of the production of that product, get to see globally what good looks like. You know, they're constantly bringing new videos new experiences new setups into it uh, and scoring them and we really thought you know what actually the what would be great for us to do is to to show people what good looks like because you know in this in this narrative as i say the this transition from digitized to digital there are a lot of things that go out there particularly from some of the big banks that actually the experiences are not really what they should be but that customers through in some instances through desperation of needing that thing i mean if you if you want a loan you're probably going to put up with some pretty terrible experiences just because you're desperate from that loan um but in a marketplace that's incredibly uh, increasingly experiential then getting these things right uh it's not just a nice to have when it comes to like you know the uh the little noise that it makes when it refreshes it's like oh that's lovely it's more fundamental than that in terms of the the you know significant percentage differences it can make in terms of conversions but more fundamentally how happy your customers actually are as well uh, and that's where actually the you know the the point of the the market shifting you know not only from last year to this year in terms of the uh, the investment horizon and the the ways in which people are thinking about the race towards profitability um but if you take a broader view of that over the last you know 5 to 10 years really in terms of the the resetting of, you know, a, a greater competitive landscape and therefore uh, more competition really for for customers than ever before. Then, how good somebody's of these experiences are, and and again, you know, this isn't about just the the selling of a product; it's about the usage of a product. Uh, how good a bank is, a good a fintech is to to deal with on a day to day basis is largely the manifestation of their digital presences. Uh, and actually, given we can now change and move really quickly uh then actually the 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 challenge for competing on experience is, is really greater than ever
0: and and I think, um having read the report, you know you obviously break down but by category you know some some of these kind of apps, so you know personal financial management, bnPl, and you know there's some familiar names in there, but not so familiar names personally for me, so it's a really interesting read i mean you know, when, when you're looking for good user experiences, what, what are you looking for? I mean, you know, I, I guess many people think, oh, it's just an app that just has to kind of look good or, yeah, have a couple of sounds that m- that make it sound appealing. But but there's far more to it than that, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, great customer experiences are, you know, they say beauty is, uh, uh, is, um, is not just skin deep. And that definitely goes when it comes to the experiences side of things as well. This isn't just making it pretty. You know, this is about the fulfilling uh we talk about jobs to be done which is a uh, clayton christensen methodology to understand the underpinning problems that you're trying to solve for your customers um and actually the things that people put within their applications or their websites need to fundamentally align to those things and while there is quite a um a balancing act uh with regards to the problems that the banks want to solve the financial institutions want to solve i.e like you know Avoiding calls into call centers, selling more products, those types of things, and then the the actual jobs that the customers have to solve for as well. Which you know, I'm, I'm sure you don't wake up every morning and go, "Well, I'm going to do loads of payments today." It's a it's a you know, it's, a, it's a Friday, it's twelve o'clock. Let's get some payments done. Is I know you actually have the whys behind that that make you know transfers or payments or the contextualization of those services is much more critical. Saving for your long term. I don't know, retirement plans or, or actually saving for that holiday that you want to go on in, in six months' time and, and trying to find the, the things that are not just, again, digitizing the uh, analog form factor. This isn't about actually how do we replicate check paying in into a branch and we've got a thing and that takes it. A... No, it's actually rethinking it from a digital perspective that actually creates a, a service that fundamentally makes people better off, really. This is all aligned from our perspective of our, where our vision of where financial services really needs to get to, which is, you know, this isn't about, again, you know, all the things that you used to do with a big ledger with how much money you had and how much you owe written in it. This isn't about replicating that into a digital world. The digital spectrum of, of uh, what you can actually achieve is so much greater than that. And we we talk about digital riches, which is it's real time, it's intelligent, it's contextual, it's human, it's extendable, and it's social. Uh, and actually, with those things, I mean, we could unpack that for the next three hours on this podcast in terms of what that what that means. But but if you kind of think in a in a world where we're all carrying a supercomputer around in our pockets, you know, 24 seven, you know, your phone is never more than two meters away from you ever. Like, you know, toilet, sleeping, bath, you know, whatever you want to be like. So actually, all of those things are with you all of the time. The context of where you are and what you're doing, or the time of day that it is, can fundamentally shift the way in which services are being delivered to consumers. Um, And the, the nice thing about that is when you, and if you look at the report, it's not always big FIs that are producing the best experiences. In fact, rarely it is. And because of that competitive landscape, you know, fintech's coming in and that's great. But even if you look at the context more broadly, and the team in Pulse see, see all of these things. The the context of super apps in other geos that are doing amazing things. I was talking to one yesterday in, in Dubai. And, you know, such a large... I won't give away their, their company secrets, but a very large part of their revenue is coming from uh, financial services. But their origin is, you know, ride hailing and delivery of food and all of these different types of things. So the experiences of good financial services is being set by a broader remit now than ever before and and ultimately that's great for consumers because you know competition for customers leads to probably better outcomes right
0: yeah absolutely it certainly should anyway and um it's interesting there your your points about super apps because you know i think when we think of a super app i think most people look to kind of asia or, or china specifically i suppose i should say really where um you know you have some some huge apps that the people use for everyday life and you know, uh, and they really are super apps, you know, millions and millions of people are using them. And I think, are, are we yet to see an ex- a, a good example of a super app in in the UK, do you think?
1: Uh, definitely not in the UK. I mean, arguably, I mean, if you look at, uh, obviously, like WeChat, you know, but that that is the gold standard that everybody's trying to replicate. But, but I mean, if, in Asia, more broadly, if you look at uh, Grab, you know, those guys are having a great, great a push for it i mean, Uber's having a good push for it in europe and the us right in terms of actually the consolidation of services but i i think it's it's interesting and if you talk to a lot of the you know senior executives at, at banks they're all like well we should have a super app strategy and it's like the the challenging thing with that really is um i don't think any anything that is considered a super app in the market right now started with the intention of being a super app um, in the same way as no, no big HSBC didn't intend to become HSBC. You know what I mean? They didn't intend to be in 70 different countries with 17 different, you know, business lines in each of those countries. Uh, you know, in order to become a super app, you've got to be a good app to start with. Uh, and actually by solving, it goes back to those jobs. So it goes back to those jobs to be done. If you solve a real, a real world pain point for somebody, you get the opportunity and probably the trust of that customer to potentially solve more problems. Uh, and in a hectic world, I mean, do I want my taxi and my food and like my payments to all come from the same thing? I mean, do I care? Like, actually, if the if the brand is good enough and actually they make it simple enough for me. Um, I actually think the the naming, uh, and again, we could talk about this for another hour. Uh, I, I think the naming of super apps is actually the confusing part because you know, if you if you kind of think on a and sort of taking this back to experience to a certain degree, uh, if you kind of think about any big bank uh, app right now, actually the navigational capability, the information architecture, the the hierarchy of the things that it it's essentially a. Uh, an amazon experience you've got to know what you want to know to go in there to wave through a navigational system to find it um so can you imagine a big bank then doing well you know anything beyond banking and packing into a single app like it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense the 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 waterfall method of like the regression testing just on that application is painful now can you imagine if you got your groceries from there as well? you know what I mean? Like, it's, so, so I think the the challenge for for big banks is like actually no super app started in financial services. They started in being messaging or social or ride hailing or technologically enabled industries that really really understand how to do iterative design, iterative change, uh, microservices architecture, small you know small team sports stuff. Um, and now all they're doing is shining that that torch into their industry because a slice of payments makes things cheaper for them and makes it easier. Lending suddenly becomes really easy because you've got a, a group, you know, millions and millions of customers who trust you and a brand that they trust that you can start distributing those things to. Uh, like, this is the real challenge. Like, actually, I don't think banks really should be scared of fintechs because fintechs are, you know, playing a similar game to them it's all the people who actually have got brands that people actually like that really are probably much more threatening to them so that so the app construct I think is the wrong kind of naming convention I mean this is a this is a uh, an operating system for people's lives and if you look at something like grab in Singapore like you kind of can't operate in Singapore unless you've got grab on your phone I don't can kind attest of to that having uh, been over there for the Singapore FinTech Festival I was just struggling to get around the place you know I mean like so so I think at that point things become so um, infrastructural to those geographies look at um, look at uh, SafariCom and Mpesa you know actually uh, that is part of the we talk about the fabric of, of financial services um, you know Mpesa is part of the fabric of, of, of that country and so it is so successful it's what it spawns you know hundreds of other industries in that sense the super apps that are most successful in those places um are are really the beginning of an operating system for people's lives
0: yeah that's interesting i think so so uh, uh, that brings me on to i suppose talking about something which you know we've heard a lot over the past few years where financial services is kind of waiting in a way or is expecting big tech to to kind of enter this the, the realm of financial services, of, of payments, precisely because of what you just said, I suppose, which is they already have the brand, um, the, the millions of, of users. And and actually that that ties in nicely with your prediction, I think, in this Pulse report, um, which is that I mean you say that you can see, you know, the likes of Amazon, Apple, Google. Pushing into financial services, do you think it really will happen quite imminently? Because I, again, you know, as I said, I suppose we've been hearing about this for a while. Um, is there anything holding them back? Do
1: you think? Um, so, so I, I'd sort of say I'd say it's happened. You, you know, like actually, if you look at you look at Apple's revenue, I, I mean, I, I I actually don't know where my wallet is anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, I re- I genuinely really don't. Like, I know it's in the house somewhere. I really should let my bank know and change my cards just in case, you know, but but I, all of my transactions are via Apple Pay, you know, so, so for me, this transition's already happened, you know, like, and actually, you know, when you look at a gigantic organization like Apple, who have such a, an amazing um, ability to create the, Walled gardens of ecosystems around, you know, payment via your fo- your watch or payment via your phone, and all of those things that go with it. Um, for a company that isn't in financial services at the size that they're at, for two percent of their revenue to come from from payments is massive. Do you know So, uh, and actually, if you look at the the broader thing of like, well, uh, any shop you uh, you go into in London accepts Alipay, like. You know they're not really a they're not a bank they're not a fintech player like actually that is a they're not even a company there actually most people would know you don't know, high streets if they're still a thing in in the UK you know but so big big tech has already infiltrated financial services I, I guess to your to your point around well what's holding them back it's like goddamn this is a complex industry and like regulation is like a thing you know like so so the amount of cost that has actually involved in being a fully regulated financial services player is really, really significant, right? But, but this isn't a um, this isn't a traditional model of uh, manufacturing and distribution anymore. You know, the banks manufacture financial instruments in the way that the regulator would regulate them, and then they distribute them to their customers. You know, in some instances, where they've got financial advisors or brokers or whatever, and you know, there are some intermediaries in the in the way to kind of take their little. Ticket of the the money and whatnot, um, but but on the whole, really, you know, manufacturing of products, distribution of products. Uh, I I kind of think those big brands are way better at distribution than than the banks can ever be. Um, and actually, I, I think the the challenge really is that the big tech players can have so much more impact on financial services by not being regulated and by being on the the periphery of owning distribution. Uh, that they could ever really be in terms of the manufacturing and and definitely that is so much less risk look at um uh, look at insurance uh actually i mean before i was in banking i was in the insurance industry and spent six years of my life at aviva and lovely organization rites of passage if you ever live in norwich you know i mean it's like it's that uh, that thing um but um, but one of those ones, if you look at insurance, I mean, insurance is in the UK and, you know, there's other geos that have followed this is predominantly distributed not by the insurance companies, but by comparison engines, by, you know, affiliate marketing tables and all these things that go with it. Uh, and that's not just because um, it's not just because customers are lazy. It's because as an industry, uh, insurers made it incredibly complex to understand what the hell their products are about you know and actually it took a whole rise of comparison you kpo know, money supermarket compare the market whatever you know like people will buy their car insurance there to get a meerkat you know what i mean like it's crazy at the same time as you know getting a bit of a deal in that sense um i think particularly when we start talking about things like open banking and the that you know the ability to open up the data sets and and for intermediaries to be much more sophisticated, much more intelligent, then actually it kind of feels like that's where we're going to get to. It's like, look, in a world where you get relegated into distribution and manufacturing, actually your manufacturing of your your products has to be incredibly cost-effective. Look at the, the squeezing of the margins in insurance. This is going to happen in retail banking. It's, it's inevitable. Like, I, I think we're down that track already, right? Um, the people who can own the customer experience and the engagement – you know, particularly around payments, particularly about everyday banking, uh, I think have the distribution potential to really own it without taking the regulatory risk, without taking the uh, the, the issues around distribution in that sense as well. And then the, the problem that that brings is if you're an FI creating financial instruments uh, and taking on all of that regulatory burden, well, you've got to be incredibly cost-effective. You've got to be incredibly nimble. You've got to be able to price things really really uh, and manage risk incredibly effectively now some of those things banks are really good at and some of them they really really aren't uh and I, I think that world were were hurtling towards where you know amazon can distribute more loans than anybody or you know apple can do so many more payments than anybody You know, i, I think we're on that road already whether the you know they they say about the uh you know heating a slowly heating the water around a frog it doesn't notice right uh, but it's the warm, war is pretty warm now. Uh, there's enough slices of financial services already being ebbed away that actually the reaction is is going to have to be really significant. And that's that's why we're seeing the big banks respond. You know, this is no no organization I work with or talk to are like, you know, either stupid or putting their fingers in their ears and hoping it goes away. They are all doing something about this because actually the option of doing nothing has is, uh, is left us sadly about you know maybe about five years ago
0: yeah of course going back to to i guess and this is something that comes up a lot in in your pulse report I mean, obviously it kind of provides the context for the report really is that you know and and this is not just a uk-wide thing but really a global issue is that we're living through this possible living crisis so in that sense do you think that um customer experience has become even more important and and you know, the the use of of these types of apps that can genuinely help people save money or or just afford to pay for, you know, everyday items and services, right? So what are your thoughts around that? And and do you think in in a way that 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 environment is is going to sort of up up the game when it comes to user experience?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the the challenge... We we talk about the the underserved, the overcharged, and the overwhelmed. And actually like the numbers of people in all three of those. I mean, I I put myself in at least one of those camps. you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, so, and actually, if you look at the, the ability for people to get, and this is actually where I I think the, the regulator can do more and should do more, not, not just in the UK, but more broadly as well, actually is, is really, and it goes back to that, it goes back to that transition as an industry that we've gone to is, you know, historically you would go into a branch and you would talk to a human being And they would look at their book and they would give you some direction on what was the best circumstances for you. You know, how can you make your money work for you, whether it's the short term view of, you know, paying rent or whether it was the long term view of saving for retirement or whatever, right? Um, We've replaced those really empathetic human beings that could break down complex financial problems and, you know, financial terms you know people don't understand percentages or aprs or whatever like these are these are not standard terms for normal human beings um and actually what we've replaced that with is like a website or self-service you know we've gone from actually really you know empathetic services and managing risk as a book as an entirety to make sure that the book manages and balances to a self-service system that actually leaves people really really wanting you know my point on the regulator like actually there's always this kind of ongoing you know what is advice what is guidance you know if we provide people options and they can pick and blah 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 but what other industry out there uh, that is so heavily regulated that is so important to the you know the fundamental fabric of a of society do we then make people make their own decisions about it? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like um trying to make parents decide what's on the curriculum for schools. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like Deliveroo trying to get you to cook the food. It's like, no, we're we're paying you a lot of money to help us solve these problems, but you're not really solving these problems. So uh, you know, I think in this period it's even worse. You know, in, in periods of um, you know, uh more uh you know, opulence than then people could afford to get it wrong but getting it wrong now is houses being repossessed and families being torn apart and you know all these problems that are being caused by these things uh, and it's not i don't think it's at this stage i don't think it's the few i think it's the many like we're we're in a, a very precarious position when it comes to the uh, interest rates you know rising so dramatically like i mean for anybody who's not on a fixed term mortgage right now it's really looking quite dicey. Do you know what I mean? Like your, your mortgage rates will have dramatically changed your outgoings just in the last six months, right? So so I, I think actually uh, the organizations in this period that actually stand up and support people through this period, I actually think have a really great opportunity to, to come out of it in a, in a really good way. I, I was speaking to um, Richard Davies actually uh, over at uh, Alica Bank, uh, the CEO of Alica Bank uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. And he sees this, and and actually, for organisations such as such as his, who are are really trying to support people through this period, um, I think we have a bit of a resetting on really what the word trust is, uh, and you know that that goes a long way with people in terms of the longevity of the customer base in that sense. So, um, it's both a a very large threat for the public, but a really great opportunity for organisations to step up.
0: I think actually that's something that comes across in your in in your pulse report is is the opportunity actually for for fintechs to, to really innovate because you know when I think of um, so for example in the the personal financial management stars so you, you have a top pick in each category and then a big shout out and uh, you know the the big shout out for the for the PFM stars is Dave which offers uh you it as offering free payday cash advances and it has like budgeting features and so on but you know. I, you know, but personally, I've not heard of the app. So great to hear about something new. But also, you know, you you describe it as having this sort of side hustle section where users can look for kind of part time work. You know, whatever their skill set is. I mean, that is the kind of innovation, isn't it? That that we need right now.
1: Definitely, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, and I think it it goes back to that point around organizations that solve one problem earn the ability to solve more problems. Uh, and things like, I mean, if you look at the uh, things like wage streaming, you know, and, and you, you sort of mentioned them, there's a, a number of other providers that are doing things in that in that way. Um, but that's for, you know, SMEs and even in corporates as well, right? You know, whether it's a, a gigantic FTSE organization or, you know, whether it's, a, uh, you know, a single mum trying to raise three kids, like cash flow is king. Do you know what I mean? And actually, it's things like that that allow people to... To make sure that they're smoothing those things over, to press a button and get paid uh, as soon as you, you know, you know it's it's good for it. Uh, we're actually seeing a, an interesting rise in things like invoice financing fintech organisations as well for another, you know, for a very similar reason because essentially it's all about helping people, you know, do the work but also to connect the dots for communities. As you say, you know, that side hustle uh, view from from those guys is is really just all about creating a community around the problem that you've got. Uh, and whether it's them or, you know, there are, uh, there are people who do, uh, you know, a draftly, you know, you've got an overdraft in an app in a button where if you absolutely need it because something's happened, you can press a button and get 1500 pounds. And it's like those things help people get through months or quarters or years in a, uh, a more intact at the end of it in that sense. So, um, bizarrely, you know, the, a lot of these things come back to, um, you know that that guy in a or the the lady in a uh, predominantly it would have been guys in branches at that point he would have known the setup around somebody really their remit was to to help people it was to to use their uh, intuition and use their understanding and use data that they have you know data points that they have and a lot of the intelligence that if you look at those players they're they're using data really effectively to make sure that they're managing risk really effectively um, but all of it comes back to they're solving a real problem for customers. It's a it's a job. It's a job that they need to solve, and they're doing that in the most uh, empathetic and experientially rich way that they can.
0: Well, look, I'm aware that we've had a fairly wide ranging conversation, and um, and I guess I kind of want to end on on a bit of a, a positive note. I mean, it'll all be really positive, but I, I kind of want to hear from you, David, about what kind of when you, when you think about you know the rest of 2023. What excites you the most about, um, you know, the kind of uh, this this area of financial services, the opportunity therein, and 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 where you see all of this heading, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think with all of this, just, you know, there, there's lots to get gloomy and gloomy about. You know, there's lots of like the economy and all these different things. But the direction of travel for the industry is really positive. You know, actually, there are services coming to market that solve problems for people more broadly than uh, and, and better than ever before you know there are organizations that are having to to really focus on customer focus on uh evolving their culture of their organizations to to be relentlessly pursuing solving these problems for consumers and um, so while there is a lot of uh it always feels messy in the middle doesn't it it always feels that actually you know chaos is ensuing and when you're in the eye of a storm, it can feel quite chaotic all around you. But but I actually think the direction of travel for the industry, uh, the direction of travel for profitability for fintechs that are coming through, uh, and actually the direction of travel for the opening up of the industry more broadly when it comes to the, you know, the continued evolution of things like open banking to, to get us to a, a better place for who can actually serve customers more effectively, um, it goes back to what I said earlier on. I think all of that competition for me is leading to a really a, a better outcome for consumers than ever before. Uh, and I think this will be, you know, really the, again, we, we say resetting of standards, but, you know, customer satisfaction scores are, are going up in the places that you would expect it to go up. And for me, that's putting pressure on the places that no longer are kings of the hill and, you know, need to get their act together in order to make those things happen. But you know, again, if I if I stand back and say the, you know, definitely the CEO executives I talk to across uh, banks in various different countries, um, everybody has the right intentions to make the changes that are needed to make sure that they're supporting the, you know, the un- underserved, the overcharged and the overwhelmed. And and really that direction of travel ends up in a an industry that is much better than it is today. And that's all we can hope for, right? Improving it. I, I think when it comes to what that looks like, my my real sort of vision of, of where we get to is, um, you know, essentially digital helps us democratize services. You know, the, the private banking experience should now be democratizable into the mass market. Um, and really, if you kind of look at the, the transition that we're seeing, it's from, you know, really dominant, you know, analog products into intelligent services. And the things that I really think are going to be most successful in the future are those those organizations that focus on kind of orchestrating services that contextualize the problems for consumers, not just create self-service capability that allows people to, you know, remove paper or people from a a call center in that way. Um, Because we're in a world where, you know, cars can drive themselves or you know we've got chat gpt who you know from an artificial intelligence perspective can do amazing things you know in milliseconds that it would have took things you know months and months and months to do before um but we're in a place where all of those things are possible but still people are going into overdraft fees when they've got money in their savings account you know it just doesn't make sense in the context of the level of intelligence that really can be brought to the industry. Um, so for me, self-driving money is where we're going to get to. You know, if if an organization is set up on your behalf to make sure that actually uh, they are using their intelligence to maximize your potential, I really think that's the direction of travel. Uh, and while it's going to be messy and difficult, and you know the economy is going to get in the way, and you know the interest rates are going to be painful, and you know there's wars here and Prime Minister's that and whatever, you know, like there's all of this stuff in the background. The direction of travel is in that in that way. Uh, and once we're there, the world's gonna definitely be a better place.
0: Well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. And and you're right, that's a really positive note to end on because um yeah, great to hear that that you kind of see so many exciting innovations are coming up and and you know, thank you for such a great discussion today.
1: No worries at all. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Well, thanks again there. It's David Breer of 11FS. Great to have him on the podcast, finally. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. A really wide-ranging discussion, lots of ground covered there. But um, I highly recommend, if you haven't already, uh, that you read the 11FS Pulse Report 2023. Um, a really fascinating read and and you know, lots of examples of some great innovation and user experiences, as we alluded to in our discussion. You can catch up with all the latest episodes of the Unplugged podcast series via the on-demand section of OpenBankingExpo.com. Until next time, goodbye for now.